You're listening to the My Motivation Podcast with Ariel Friedman, where we share inspirational stories, tips, and advice for living your best life and reaching your true potential. And it all starts with a positive mindset. So come listen and get inspired. Hello, everyone. This is My Motivation, your source of inspiration. Now I want you all to ponder this. Alice Walker, who's a famous author, once said, The most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. Such a powerful message. When it looks like the odds are stacked against you, know that you have the power to defy those odds. Don't let anyone tell you or make you feel otherwise. My guest today, Chief People Officer Kelsey Hayback, fully embodies this message and has achieved great success despite the challenges that have come along with working in such a male-dominated industry. In today's episode, we discuss her experience climbing the corporate ladder so quickly at such a young age, gender gap challenges that arose and how she worked through and overcame them, how the gender gap has changed over the years, and how companies can continue to close this gap, as well as advice she has to women on how to succeed in male-dominated industries and advice for recruiters on how to be successful. Kelsey's story and and advice is just what you need to hear to propel you forward in your career. I'm so happy to have Kelsey Hayback here with me today, who is the Chief People Officer with Mission Critical Solutions. Welcome to the show, Kelsey. Hi, thank you. Happy to be here. I'm excited to have you. And Kelsey, tell me about your role as Chief People Officer and what that entails exactly. Yeah, so um, I am Chief People Officer of a company called Mission Critical Solutions, and I'm going on uh, my ninth year there. And basically, we took the recruiting position over almost a decade. We've turned it into a talent and people division. So I lead all of the recruiting team. Um, all staffing needs, staffing needs come through my department. Um, we have a government contracting side and then a commercial side. So we have a lot of rules and regulations and policies we have to follow up from the federal piece. Um, you know, we manage all research for our bid and proposal work. We manage all uh, HR and onboarding through my department, handle any employee issue, you know, good or bad from a hard conversation to a coaching moment, terminations, reviews, raises, professional development. All of that goes through me and then to our CEO or the proper senior leader. Um, uh, We create all people and culture initiatives and programs, you know, a mentorship program, referral program, our management training program. We're building a internal certification library right now. We're career pathing right now. So all of that rolls up to me as well. And then social media and branding. And then I'm, of course, on the executive team. So strategy for the company. So my department runs the whole gamut. Wow, that's amazing. You definitely got a full plate there, it sounds like. Yes, we do. And I know that you have a very impressive resume, and I know that you became a vice president at 28 and a CPO at 31, which is amazing. And so I was wondering if you can talk to me about your career path and how you climbed the corporate ladder so quickly. Yeah, um, I got, you know, I actually got into a leader position really early in my career. I'm about 15 years in professionally, and Um, I worked for a company right out of college that gave me a lot of freedom to learn. I was allowed to be involved, you know, within reason in all meetings and shadow our CEO. It was a smaller sales company, but 
it was almost like going back to business business school. I had constant development, and that experience really changed me as a leader and to think about coaching and developing individuals, and it kind of rerouted me. And so from there, I was promoted into a director role, and I started traveling the country coaching young recruiters in all of our satellite offices. I was speaking, doing public engagements at that point. And, you know, honestly, I was too young to realize how crazy it was. And, you know, you just have that confidence without really realizing, oh, if anybody real, you know, knew how young I was or maybe inexperienced, they would be wondering why I'm on this stage speaking right now. So, but it, it was a great opportunity for me. And fast forward 10 years, I've now been leading um, at my current role for almost a decade, I was first promoted to a VP of talent acquisition. And um, that was that happened when we really felt there needed to be a proper department. We need to bring on additional recruiters and coordinators and, and build a team. And then about three years later, there were some organizational changes. And I was I was promoted to a CPO. Um, and I've been in that role almost three years now. I think a big push for my promotion to a CPO was to align me with the other executives leading the company. I was sitting at the table as a VP, but everybody else was at the C-suite. And I think it was confusing for the employees. They weren't always sure, can we take Kelsey's authority? Do we need to go above her? Do we need to double check or you know what she's saying? Is she really the, the final authority piece on some... Um, changes within the company. Um, and so it made sense at that point to promote me again. I've been really lucky about every three or four years, I've been promoted to a, a pretty large, you know, next step in my career. Um, and at this point, there's not too much more room for me to go at my current company. I'm obviously at the C-suite, but getting there at 31 was incredible. Oh, that's amazing. Congrats on all your success. And it sounds like you've had such great development opportunities throughout your career. And I know that you mentioned when you were first starting out, when you were on stage speaking, you know, you were worried that people might might feel like you were too young. And, and so I'm wondering if you have any advice for people how to, you know, keep that confidence and build that confidence for other people who are feeling, you know, in that same mindset. Yeah, you know, I think what really helped me is I loved to learn and get as much knowledge about the company I was working for or, or the part of the, you know, a vertical that I own, which was HR and recruiting and coaching and building recruiters. So I attended more meetings than I needed to. I was on conference calls. I asked to be involved in everything. And that built so much confidence for me because I had a lot of knowledge. I knew more than maybe the other person next to me. I, I purposely went to every dinner I could or every you know, company event. I networked myself really well. And I think somewhere along the line, I remember when I was really young in my career and nervous about speaking or being a voice for the company, someone said to me, just remember, you know more than the person you're talking to. Meaning, you know, if, if just act as if they know nothing about this company or about how to, you know, build an HR recruiting team no matter your level, you still know more than that individual. And whether it was true or not, it did give me a lot of self-reassurance and some ease to just go up there and speak, you know, sort of my truth to my career um, and stay within my lane. And if I did that really successfully, 
I could kind of become a voice for the company. So I think a lot of it is just sort of building up that com- confidence. And for me, the confidence came from knowledge. That's great. That's, that's such powerful advice too. And I think I agree with you. It's so important to, to raise your hand as much as possible and get involved in as much as we can yeah. on for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. with business being so male dominated, did you experience any uh, gender gap challenges as you moved up in your career? Yeah. You know, I have to say, I've been very lucky um, and being able to be promoted and move up the ladder. Um, However, you know, there's obviously some challenges within the company I work for and a lot of professional friends of mine that are women. And and I'm not surrounded by a lot of other females my age that have similar career paths or are at already such a senior level. So there obviously is a pretty large gap out there. Um, I wouldn't say I've had massive challenges um, so far between the gender gap. But I do think that I've really, and I still think I have to prove myself more. I have to prove my value more. I have to prove my workload. I have to prove my team's value. I have to prove the, you know, the budget that I need or the constant successes. So I think I'm cheerleading myself more than, than a male does in our company. I really have to make sure that it's aware sometimes how hard I'm working and that's, that's exhausting. And I don't know if, if the men in our company have to do that as much as I feel I have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm sure a lot of women in the business world feel the same that they have, you know, something more to prove compared to their male counterparts. And so, you know, how do you overcome that, that feeling on a daily basis? So it, so it doesn't completely, you know, drain all your energy and feeling you have to constantly prove yourself. Yeah, so I think for me, a way to um, to to get past that on sort of a daily basis is having the the confidence and in, in knowing what you're doing and in the everyday steps you're taking and how you coach your team and the happiness of your team and the turnover around you and your team. You know all the pieces you can control, and if I'm doing those successful, then when I'm being sort of pushed back and you know, what is Kelsey doing or what is her team doing or, or has anyone checked in on, you know, a cost savings piece or whatever it is, I have a lot of data and I have a lot of content because every day we're doing the right thing. And so I am a believer in, you know, having proper reporting and proper data on the work my team does and the work I do and, you know, evaluating the programs and evaluating the challenges or the successes and putting that content into a report for my CEO or for our senior leadership so they can really see all the time and effort and the work that's not only going into it, but also they can see where we have had huge successes. And so um, I think we just consistently build content around everything we do. And it's not that hard because usually you're, you already have reporting and pipeline and information that you meet on in your staff meetings. But we just really pull that once a quarter to show how we are, you know, helping with morale, helping with turnover, how we dealt with some big employee challenges that quarter, how we dealt with any big raises or terminations. You know, if we had anything that was more, you know, investigation or HR related, how are our programs doing? How are our initiatives taking off? So I just really show the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm so with you on that. The facts, you know, really are in the data and it doesn't lie. And I love, I think that's so great that you really put that at the forefront of showcasing. 
um, for your success. And I'm curious what the makeup of your leadership team looks like at Mission Critical. Is it a mix of men and women or um, is it mostly male or? Yeah. Yeah, it's mostly male. Um, I was the first female executive ever for the company. It's wow, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm also the youngest, um, by 15 plus years, some 20, wow. some 20. Yeah. So there was a, there's a few challenges there. Um, I'm very proud to say we brought on as female CFO, similar to my age, uh, about, uh, almost two years ago. And so that's a big win for us to have two women, um, sitting at the table when even five years ago, the idea of, a honestly, a female executive at the table was not even, it was not on the, it was not part of the goal. It was not the plan. And it, not because it was, um, you know, anti-female, you know, a lot of the uh, executives have been at the table for 15, 20 years. And so the table was set, the strategy was set, the politics was set, they all knew each other, you know, so when I came in and shifted things, it it, op- it cracked the door to, okay, we can have other types of younger individuals or or women or, you know, uh, minorities, we can shift everything that's going on at the, at the C-suite. So we're seeing it change in real time. Uh, we do have two females, we have six men, um, we have a minority that sits at our table. So things are happening in real time, which I am really proud of because there is a little bit of a old school club that we're kind of slowly, you know, knocking down every single day, which is great. That it's important. Bad. Every, every little step is a win for us. That's how I look at it. Absolutely. And that's, you know, amazing progress. And I know it can't be easy to create such a positive shift, especially when, you know, a certain status quo has been in place for so long, but I think that's awesome that there's so much more women representation and that's great to hear that things are really moving in a great um, new direction. And so before when it was, you know, very male dominated, did you find yourself being treated differently in the workplace compared to your male counterparts at all? You know, it's definitely been an interesting experience. And like I said, it's sort of multi-layered because a lot of the executives have also been um, have been there for 20 plus years. And so there was, there was a couple pieces we had to push through. Um, I think the thing that really worked for me was privately taking the executive's advice, taking their calls, you know, listening to their concerns, taking their guidance, um, and learning from them on how to succeed in meetings or create change or how to get buy-in. I, I didn't just kind of knock on their departments or their divisions and, and say, this is what I'm going to do. And these are, this is a new policy you have to follow. And this is a new program that you have to check in with me every 90 days. Um, I build trust with them that I'm not here. I'm not a threat. I'm not here to tear apart your department or, or cause you more challenges. And by listening to them in private calls or meetings, they really cheerleaded for me publicly or in some of these bigger conversations. Um, And I think my approach to them was I respect that you've put in 20 years to build this company up and you've done a lot of work. So I'm listening to you, but I'm also going to have my own little path about it. And, And so, you know, when I present new programs or new pieces to the company that they will have to take part in, 
you know, I never try to blindside them and I'm, and I'm giving certain ones a little heads up that I know need it to not, to, you know, not feel defensive in the meeting. And then I have other individuals that are completely fine with everything I throw at them and we don't have to have a conversation about it. So, you know, I just, I try to take away any shock value. I try to, you know, really design and develop and present things and then, you know, allow for feedback, allow for them to have concern. And by kind of doing it that way, I've gotten their buy-in over time. And now I don't have to reach out as much when I want something done or when I want to create something, or I don't have to get everybody on board. I can just kind of push forward. So it, it was definitely a challenge in the, in the beginning. I had to find a way to have a professional relationship with them where they would support me as much as I was supporting them. But once I think they realized that I wanted to be on the same team with them, I wanted to collaborate with them versus just come in and make massive change. Um, now I have a great relationship with most of them. So, but it probably took a year and a half to really show that side. Those are great strategies too, that I hope, you know, the women listeners out there um, can apply to their own you know, situations at work. And what you said is really powerful too, you know, how we're all on the same team at the end of the day, and we're all working towards that same goal. Um, so I think that's really important to, to keep at the forefront of, you know, everything that we experience at work. Um, and so it sounds like, you know, your, your company in particular is really moving in the right direction and closing that gender gap. And you've done so much amazing work and making that happen. Um, but I'm curious, apart from your company, when you just look at the business world in general, um, have you seen an improvement in the gender gap in the workplace in recent years? And in your opinion, what can be done to really close that gap and give women more represent representation? Yeah, I think it's I think it's uh, such a challenge, and I have seen some change. I, I think the Times Up uh, movement really forced larger corporations and individuals or smaller businesses even to, um, to take women, uh, in the workplace, you know, much more serious and to give them a, a voice and let them an opportunity to be heard. Um, so I have seen some change. There has been a huge push to have women on boards in the past two years. And, there's been a large percent of women that are now on, on boards. Um, that, but that's a big piece is women at the senior level and promoting women from within. We have a tendency to promote men from within. It's much harder for a female to get promoted. Typically, they might get one sort of promotion, you know, maybe from an ind individual contributor to a manager or to a director. And then they're sort of halted where men typically seem to keep getting promoted from within and within and within. And so, um, I think that's a big piece of it. I think also, you know, things that can be done are tying senior leaders bonuses to diversity and inclusion objectives, you know, making sure that the women in your company are also working with other women and on teams with other women. We know there's a big benefit to women working with women versus a female working with a team of five men. Um, they typically don't have the same opportunities the same voice, the same sort of collaboration uh, and, and positive change as we know happens when women work with women. So, you know, I think the biggest pieces that are how do we create an environment where more than one out of every five women wants to work for your company? How do we create how do we create inclusiveness for females 
versus just thinking about hitting, you know, a, a diversity metric, right? So there's always this big talk about we need we need to hire so many more women and here's the number, here's the percentage and how are we going to make sure we hire them? There's always a strategy around hiring, but we first seem to forget that okay, well how are we going to keep them to work for us? How are we going to make sure they want to stay working for us? And that piece sometimes gets uh, you know, a little bit uh, forgotten. And so things that ha- need to be thought about are, are we supporting women to have families? Do we have a maternity leave policy? Do we have a place for a, a woman to have, you know, to breastfeed in the building? Um, you know, are we, give, is there pressure to choose job over family for a female versus a male having that sort of stress? Are we supporting women to get STEM certified or, additional professional development? Or are we just offering these opportunities to the men? Are we making sure the women are educated on investments and retirement? Are we having someone come in and sort of do lunch and learns, you know, with the male, men too of the company, but are we making sure women understand 401ks? That's typically a lower number. Uh, you know, are we making sure for every man that's being promoted, we also have a female to consider? If not, why? You know, are we reviewing raises and bonuses to make sure that women are are getting the same match or we may, how many female leaders do we have? You know, so there's all these other pieces to, are we supporting the females team and the, and making sure she has the right resources that we always approve for a man. So I think that's the biggest thing for me is right now. Um, it's not just about hiring the female, but how are we going to make sure that that woman wants to work here and build more female teams and, and, and have a community of women in the, in the building um, for many years uh, versus them coming for nine months and frustrated and go somewhere else where they will be treated very differently. No, absolutely. And you brought up a lot of great points there. And I hope, you know, business leaders that are listening really take that to heart and, and implement those strategies. And you brought up a really great point that I feel like gets overlooked a lot, which is employee retention, which you talked about. And um, you know, creating a culture where people feel valued and appreciated so they stay at a company is is very underdeveloped, I feel like, at a lot of the companies across the board. So hopefully uh, people really listen and and take your strategies to heart because I think um, they're so, so promising and should definitely um, be implemented. And so for women that are working in such male-dominated industries that are working hard to progress in their careers but are experiencing these gender gap challenges, uh, what advice do you have for them so they could keep pushing and stay in that positive mindset? Yeah, it's really a challenge. And I obviously can only speak from my experience with things that I know were have helped me and, and have worked. I think some of the some of the steps a female can take is to one empower yourself, empower the other woman, whether it's at the company you work for or networking a group or a community um, that you've sort of been able to jump on that um, is part of the same industry or the same sector. It's really important to sort of have this team around you um, and. I even find myself, I have a peer-to-peer group I'm in and I have some committee volunteer work I'm doing and and just having these constant conversations or bouncing something off somebody at the same level, it does build more empowerment. It gives you more knowledge and there's a community that backs you up. And then you have 
pieces from these conversations or from this community that make it much easier to go into your company and demand appropriate and equal pay, you know, to confront maybe a policy that is showing some concerns or red flags and, and make sure that the company you work for um, is providing all the resources and supporting women at the level that they should be. So empowerment is a really important thing. Um, I think communication is also essential, um, whether it's male or female, you know, communication around salaries is not a great a way to go about it. But, you know, you can communicate with your direct report or with your coworkers if you're seeing, again, some policies that don't make really a lot of sense or some actions or language that feels discriminatory. You know, those are, those are pieces that you'd want to bring up. And communication for, from an HR recruiting perspective, you really lead the communication and, and we believe in sort of being the chief of communication. And so if you build a culture where um, women or individuals feel comfortable coming and sort of having conversations around a document or a policy that to them feels um, it's not servicing all individuals within the company, then you're able to sort of work through some of these, pre- these pieces. But, you know, speaking up is just, it, it, it's such a huge part of this. I, have uh, individuals that work in the, the same company me who are female and they have been much more bold over the years about speaking up and about holding male senior leaders accountable to what they promise accountable to what they said they would receive if they were to be successful and um, they have not really backed down from um, demanding what 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 they have deserved and I think just by having that level of confidence and tone of I'm going to be treated the same as a man, I'm going to get it rewarded just like they will. And communicating that out loud does really shift their careers. And so a lot of it is, you know, women are sometimes we're just known for not speaking up as much or just not wanting to rock the boat or just being grateful for what opportunities have come our way and typically a man doesn't have those concerns they'll open they'll you know walk right into an office and talk to their their manager and sit down and and say out loud what they're frustrated about they're not worried about getting fired or getting disciplined for confronting something where sometimes a female has that concern so a lot of it is just using our voice yeah absolutely and speaking up and being your own advocate is so so important and you know, I feel like once you set those boundaries and really kind of demand that respect, then you then you'll get that in return, and, and you'll start seeing those positive shifts. And um, you know, even outside of work too, I know you brought up women empowerment. It's so so important for women uh, to look out for each other and have each other's backs because uh, there's so so much power in in supporting one another in that aspect. Yes, and you have to cheerlead for yourself. You have to show your wins. You have to show your successes of you, of your team. Um, no one's going to do it for you, especially not typically um, a male in the company. Um, so you have to be really on top of cheerleading for yourself and for your team. And you have to cheerlead yourself publicly as well. Like you said, you have, you know get involved in certain Slack groups or professional development groups. Have a name for yourself. Have something outside of your everyday job that will help you build confidence and a network and a community that will support you. It, you know, I, it took me a while to get to that place. I was so focused on my career every single day, 
I didn't have this community. If I was to lose my job, I wouldn't have much else to show. And so it's really important that you take steps to, to sort of network yourself and have resources outside of the people you work with every single day. I'm sure it's, you know, hard at the beginning to find that voice when you don't have experience doing so. But the more you practice speaking up and setting those boundaries and making yourself be heard, I'm sure it just gets easier the more and more that you're able to practice that. You can start with your team. That's a great place to start if you are struggling speaking up or struggling to manage at a higher level. You can you can, you can build those expectations with the team that you have, and then you can start to build the expectations with you know your your directors or your VP or your line leaders, your decision makers, and then you can kind of start to build with your executive team. And um, and you know your the goal is for buy-in. So if you're aligning your initiatives, if you're aligning the, the pieces you want to be a part of that align with the company you works for, you work for their strategic goals. If you align with the business goals, you will have success for buying. You will have success uh, to have a voice within the company. If you try to do things that do not align with the company you work for, you're going to get hit with a lot of closed doors. So you have to really take a look at the company and say, okay, where, you know, what, what are the strategic goals? Where are pieces that need to be evaluated? Where are pieces where we need to develop new opportunities or new programs or, you know, can we build a, a volunteer committee in the, in the company that focuses on diversity inclusion? Can we build a volunteer committee that focuses on our, you know, building on our mission statements and our, our vision statements? Or can we build out a, a, a volunteer committee that focuses on social media and branding? So wherever you can find a way to align with the company, the, that's a way to have a voice without causing huge red, you know, throwing up the big flag to yourself, being abrasive, um, having to demand a new promotion or a raise. If you find ways to be a team player and no one asks you to do it, but you've taken on something and you've uh, shown success for the company, you've brought the company success in some fashion, whether it's a cost savings or a profit or retention, whatever it may be, there will be opportunities that will come your way that you weren't expecting and it will build a voice for you and it will build a promotion and it will build a change in your annual compensation and your career will start to shift. But if you just wait for somebody to knock on your door and say, we're going to promote you, it's not going to happen. Right. Absolutely. So, so important to, to really be your own advocate and showcase your wins and speak up and just really making sure you're always talking about your successes at the forefront. And I feel like this year, with everything that has gone on, too, will just bring a lot of positive changes in terms of diversity and, and representation. So I'm excited to really see what the future holds, uh, you know, for for the for these industries and, you know, what it what it means for everyone in general. So I think we're going to see a lot of positive shifts. I agree. And I think what's nice is where the door has been opened not only for these positive shifts, but for everybody to be allowed to ask questions and be accountable for answers to these questions and be accountable to, to changes within your company. And I think that's really nice to see is even, you know, um, volunteer boards that I'm on. Um, I have individuals that ask me all the time about, you know, diversity or inclusion or any sort of 
um, changes they're making to the board and companies are are being held accountable to not just say, yeah, we're thinking about it or we're going to get back to you, but having to really put a strategy and plan to make these changes. So I think that's what's most important. Action is actually happening, which is great. Really, really excited to see what the future holds. And I want to shift gears a little bit. So for the listeners that are in that recruiting space, what advice do you have for them to really uh, be successful and and move up in their careers? Yeah, so I would say um, recruiting is a is a is a is a world where development is everything. And that I mean, that's how I feel about it. You need to know every ounce of the positions that you're working and recruiting for, you need to know how those individuals or how those positions, you know, are hybrid roles, how the company you work for gets the most value out of all of these positions. You need to understand your numbers at every level from sourcing to hire. You need to know your percentages and your retention and what, and your hires are to fill a role you need to understand how to um, be quick on your feet and make be solution oriented on phone calls and and you need to have a, a really solid moral compass. I think recruiters that are successful in this in this industry, yes, they uh, they want the company to have the best candidate and and find the best fit, but they are always taking care of the candidate side. They're always taking care of the employee side. If a recruiter is just trying to hit their numbers and fill a position, move on to the next, they're typically not going to be very successful. So for me, I'm a big believer in, you know, practice pitching and we listen to calls and we understand numbers and we pull reports after every hire. We, you know, my recruiters speak for themselves in meetings. They're always presenting. They're building out jobs. They're they're hybrid recruiters. They're not just there just to fill a position. They're learning all the steps and pieces at every level so they can be promoted and go off on their own or, you know, have real success in their careers. Um, I don't just hire people typically to just to just source an interview all day long. I have one individual that just wants to hire and that's all he does. But everybody else on my team is a hybrid recruiter, meaning they do about 80% recruiting, 20% more development pieces. So you have to make yourself as uh, much of it. You, you have to know every piece of it. And, you know, in recruiting, if you don't cheerlead for yourself, if you don't show your numbers, if you're not efficient and with your time and solution oriented, you will never really get to the next level. So you have to really have those soft skills to be able to sit in front of a hiring manager and have a challenging conversation and get to the finish line to sit in front of a CEO of a company and talk about, you know, turnover and retention and time to fill and contract, you know, costs and and how, how you are overcoming some of those pieces. I think the best thing you can do as well, whether you're a recruiter or recruiting manager, a VP, whatever it is, is stop thinking about the department as an overhead department. Think of it as another piece of the business that has a P&L. Find ways to bring money back into the company. Find ways to have savings. Find ways to understand how you can Use those piece that piece of money for raises and bonuses for your team. We know that recruiting HR teams run really lean, so you have to find ways 
to be a bigger player for the company than just the recruiting person in, you know, and in, uh, in the office in the back on the left hand side. You have to find a way to be treated like a like a P and L division, just like everybody else. Oh, that that's such great advice. So so powerful advice. And for everyone listening out there, how can they um, get in touch with you, Kelsey? So you can get in touch with me um, at my email, which is K, my last name, K-H-A-B-I-C-H at MCS of Tampa. I'm also on LinkedIn under Kelsey Haybeck. Um, and those are probably the best ways to find me right now. Awesome. And before we go today, I just kind of want to open the floor for you to see if you have any uh, final pieces of advice or any um, last things that you wanted to talk about. I don't have anything else that I really wanted to cover, but I just think it's so important, you know, as a young female that went up the the ladder pretty quickly, um, you know, if I could give any sort of advice out there, I think they're pretty basic ideas, but, you know, know how to be solution oriented, know how to look at budgets, know how to understand financials for a company know who the players are of the company, know their personalities, you know, know how if you're, you really manage an attitude or um, a hustle mindset, if you're only wanting to work nine to five, um, you're going to struggle. Be okay with staying late, be okay with getting certified, be okay with getting developed and really take time for that side if, if that's what you want to do um, so you can move up and be successful. And I think you know, sometimes I find uh, I have younger individuals that start to work for me, and I think there is a shift that things are owed to them, or that you know, at five oh one they're out the door, and if that wasn't on my job responsibility. I'm not doing it, and I I feel that that type of mindset really will halt someone's career. And so you can't expect things to come to you if you're not willing to put in really serious work that shows that you can be a game changer for a company. So that would be my biggest piece of, of advice is don't expect anything should be coming to you. You must work hard for all of it. Well, that's great advice. And there definitely isn't an elevator to success. You really have to take the stairs. And it's so important to be just a well-rounded, good team player. And yeah. um, everything you brought up is just such important pieces of advice to really keep at the forefront. So thank you for sharing all that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Kelsey, I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on the show and for all the great insight you've provided. I know that you're really going to help uh, so many listeners out there. So thank you so much for all that you've shared. Thank you. It was great to be here. There's a quote I love that says, a successful woman is one who can build a firm foundation with the bricks others have thrown at her. Use what was meant for your setback as your set up and know that there's a seat at the table that has your name on it. You have everything you need within you to achieve greatness. If this episode inspired you, please share it. This could be exactly what someone needed to hear, and you have the ability to truly make a difference in someone's life. If you haven't already, subscribe so you don't miss a motivational message. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I'd be so appreciative if you could leave me a review. I love hearing from you, and your reviews allow me to continue to bring you inspiring content. I love you guys so much, and thanks so much for spending some time with me today. I hope you found motivation in this message, and if you did, please share it with someone who needs to hear it, and subscribe. 
Hope you keep this find top of mind and always stay inspired. Love you guys and thank you so much for listening. Thank you.